so this is so fun. We are here. It's been a, a little bit uh, since we were able to talk about a film, um, but this is Chicks on Flicks, and we are here to talk about a special little indie animated film called Window Horses uh, that a lot of you probably haven't heard of, but I thought I'd do this so that you could hunt it down, find it, and uh, I thought it would just be really fun for Christine and I to talk about it. So, want to say hi? Yeah, hi everybody. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so this is a very small film that's not going to get like a huge release, but hopefully it'll be on Netflix or things like that. But if you can look uh, around you and see if you can, you know, you could find it. But it, it was actually done partly through a Kickstarter by the creators. And uh, <laughs> so it's, it's very, this is a passion project if you've ever seen one. And, so uh, what were your overall thoughts uh, after watching the film? Um, my biggest feeling after finishing it was I was so sad that it wasn't a wide release and that it wasn't just like on Netflix because there's so many people that I want to see this film. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it really was so unique. Um, even just in like, I, I just watched it and then... I had about 20 minutes before meeting with you. And even in that time, I called my best friend and I was like, I have to tell you about this movie that I just watched. It's totally different. And once I get my hands on it, I'll show it to you because it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I felt the same way too. And I, I, I thought, you know, probably hardly anyone is going to, you know, be interested in this podcast or whatever, but I'm like, I don't care. I just want to talk about it with my friends. Cause I, I really, really loved the film and I, I, I agree with you. I wish that it's the kind of thing that could, could, could be seen by more people. And uh, I, I really responded positively to it. I thought that it, it had a lot of layers, but it wasn't um, obtuse, like some artsy more films too. It was very relatable. I think almost anybody could watch this and, and relate to what uh, Rosie is going through and in some way or another. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, and so it, this film is directed by Anne-Marie Fleming, and it's written by her. It's based on a book, her book. <laughs> this is sort of, a, like I said, it's a passion project. And uh, it, it basically tells the story of this girl named Rosie, who is this Canadian uh, teenager. She's part Persian and part uh, Chinese, and she... Uh, has been raised by her grandparents and uh, she has basically self-published this book of poetry uh, about uh, how she wishes that she could go to France. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and somehow she ends up getting invited to attend this uh, poetry festival in Iran. And uh, that's where her, her Persian background is, is from is in Iran. And so she decides to go to Iran and in so doing, she learns so much about, about poetry, about herself, about her father, about her culture, uh, about her uh, childhood, everything's like that she learns about. Uh, she, she learns on this, on this trip. So <laughs> um, my first question that I, I had for you is, what do you think of the, this, the visual style? Uh, and, and why do you think, that she was the only one that is like the true stick figure. All right. So this is actually my one complaint about the film. Okay. <laughs> um, I read a review in Variety where uh -huh. their opinion was, 
oh, it works really well that she's the only stick figure because her self-identity is not fully fleshed out and everyone else is. And I actually had the thought during the movie that that might be their justification for it. Mm-hmm. I did not enjoy the stick figure. It, like it? it was okay. distracting to me. It took away from the movie for me. And the idea that it might fit with the theme of her lacking self-identity wasn't enough for me to justify not animating her with the same attention to detail as everyone else. Um, I understand that this is Anne-Marie Fleming's like muse character. Mm-hmm. I was reading about online how she's put her in a number of short films and everything. So like this is her, um, you know, lovingly rendered uh, character that she actually is very intentionally putting in this mm-hmm. as a projection of herself. Um, but I, I did not enjoy the stick figure. I liked the rest of the animation. I actually really enjoyed the style. Um, I liked the other types of animation brought mm-hmm. in by other artists. Um, and I thought I was reading online how they were saying that they wanted that to reflect the diversity of the world and different cultural mindsets. Um, and I thought that that was really effective. The mm-hmm. stick figure did not, uh, <laughs> not please me. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I, I can see that. I, I actually, I liked it. I thought that it, I don't know. I thought it was an interesting choice and it kind of reminded me of, uh, have you ever heard of Don Hartsfeld? Mm-mm. He's an animator who uses exclusively stick figures and pretty much in his animation. He's very, he, he's way more obtuse than, than this. He's way more, uh, sometimes he can be a little pretentious, to be honest. But uh, he does things. He has the one called World of Tomorrow. Yes. A, okay, and, I have seen World of Tomorrow. Yeah. And uh, that, the, so I don't know, it kind of reminded me a little bit of that, but uh, but I, I don't know, I guess I thought that, that it was sort of her, since she didn't sort of know who she was, that she'd be the one that was the kind of the empty one. So I, it worked for me, but I can see how it wouldn't work for everybody. But yeah, the visual style as a whole, I really liked, and they had a, a bunch of different animators that collaborated to make this visual style. Like, because when they, when they tell the poems, there's a definite different uh, animator that's working on each of these poems. Mm-hmm. And you have, let's see here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different guest animators that are all uh, working on the various poems. And I really thought that was really cool and beautiful. And it just added to this, to this feeling of uh, cultural sort of, understanding and uh, just a really unique experience that you got from watching the movie, which I really liked. So yeah, that was cool. Yeah. And um, actually that's funny as, Oh, I didn't know the name of the animator who did the world of tomorrow, but I actually really love that cartoon. I made my husband sit down and watch it and he was like, I don't get it. And I was like, you don't get it. It's so deep. And he's like, no, it's one I'm of those the things. same way as your husband. <laughs> really? He's like, it's one of those things that people just act like it's deep. It's like the emperor's new clothes, Christine. Like there's nothing here. And I'm like, no, no, it's so good. That's really funny. I, I, yeah. I admire Don Hertzfeld and I, I appreciate his like hoopsfa in like doing these things. But I sometimes I'm just like, what? What? And I've I've seen World of Tomorrow many times. I I still feel like I don't get it. I'm stupid. (laughs) What's wrong with me? That's so funny. Well, and I think that actually like that, 
it's so interesting that you bring that up because I was reminded actually of those stick figures while watching this as well. Um, the thing is, is I feel like with, for instance, like World of Tomorrow, the stick figures kind of echo the cynicism um, of the the whole presentation. I mean, it's like, it's like this, it's so self-deprecating, you know, yeah. there's something about it. And um, I think with this, the stick figure there's nothing self-deprecating about this. There's nothing um, cynical about mm. this film. And so I think for me, it was almost like the stick figure wasn't, it wasn't as serious as I wanted it to be. And there were some gags mm. with the stick figure that I actually thought were really funny, mm. but I don't know about the tone. Maybe, okay. maybe it works. But like, for instance, when she's packing her bags and it's just a bunch of triangles, and then she has all these triangles all around her room. I mean, I was just dying. That was. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it also does. We'll talk about it a little bit, but it, it does present a real contrast when she puts on the um, Chopra, I think it's called. Uh, the Chador. Chador, sorry. And uh, um, that it, it just makes it look all the diff, all that different uh, when she puts that on. And than if she was just like a regular body. There's something I think there, but I can, I can see what you mean. I, can, I really can. But, uh, but yeah, I, I did love the, I love the visual style. I thought that it was uh, really just unique and beautiful. And I, I, it's something that kind of left you asking questions like, why did they do that? And why did they choose that choice? And why did they, you know, why did they, and I like that. And, and I, I, uh, I just posted my review of uh, Loving Vincent, which is a animated film that was made all with oil paintings. And unfortunately, I didn't really love the movie as much as I thought I would because it's an incredible achievement in this visual style. But unfortunately, it's not matched with the story that's as compelling. And so uh, it's like you kind of have to have both pieces. And I think this does. It has a unique visual style and it also has the story and the heart to kind of go with it. And so, yeah, I think... I think that it was really cool, especially getting to see all these different voices within. Uh, you not only you not only had all these different people from these different countries reading their poems, but you literally had a different animator from <laughs> a different place animating their poems. I just thought that was really cool. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, the what did you what did you think of Rosie herself as a character, uh, and at least how she started, and maybe as she grew throughout the film. Um, I think Rosie is fun because she's really blank. She's kind of those people where it's a character where you're meant to get into her shoes. Yeah. Um, and I thought that that was pretty effective. Um, like, so for me getting into the shoes of that character, there were some times when I felt like she was being really immature or judgmental or silly or whatever, where I wasn't comfortable putting myself in that character, but I think most people would be fine mm -hmm. um, with it. And it, the thing is, is you don't have to do that. Like you don't have to put yourself in the shoes mm -hmm. of the character and feel hundred percent comfortable. So it didn't really bother me, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I thought also, I feel like a lot of these fish out of water in foreign country movies, frankly, they can just be ridiculously offensive. <laughs> Uh, and there, so many of them are just disasters. Like I'm thinking of the movie, the, I think the biggest fish out of water in a foreign country movie disaster is um, Outsourced. I don't oh, know I've if you've never seen, seen that. Outsourced. 
<sighs> um, I won't see that. <laughs> it, <laughs> like you it. might. It's it. Uh, anyway, I won't even go into what's what goes wrong, but I'll just okay. say that this movie I think did so many things right. Where the act, the conclusions that she comes to, and the things that she learns, um, are genuinely valuable. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and there's nothing where, um, you know, where she goes to Iran and they do something and it's made into a ridiculous spectacle, uh, in order to make the movie more interesting, in order to portray it as exotic and, uh, you know, yeah. and, and so I think that they did a lot of that that was really right. And a lot of that was portrayed in Rosie's struggling to come to grips with, you know, everything. I thought it was done really well. Yeah, I really liked Rosie as well. I, I felt like that any immaturity that she had was understandable given that she's young. She'd never been anywhere, uh, you know, and she'd been raised by her grandparents who had obviously somewhat sheltered her mm-hmm. from things. And I, I liked her, uh, I don't know, just her interactions with the other con- not contestants, but other poets. Oh, uh, yeah. Or, uh, I thought that when things do get difficult <laughs> and she has these realizations, it felt uh, honest to me. It felt, I felt like, uh, you know, we all have those sort of moments of truth, especially in your 20s, you know, where you're like, whoa, I never saw the world in that way. And I felt like uh, that was very authentic yeah. to that experience that you have when you're, when you're that age. <laughs> and so... I really liked her. I, I think that it was interesting that she wears the ch- chador, mm-hmm. how you say it? Chador, uh, in the film. What did you think about that? And that her grandparents would give her that to wear and how that hall was handled. Oh, I had so many thoughts. I had so many <laughs> thoughts. So because, um, and one of, one of them, I was like, I'm really lucky to kind of have some of the experiences that I did. So for instance, when I went to Morocco, um, Mm -hmm. before I went, I looked up online, like, should I, uh, wear a hijab? Should I dress a certain way? Um, not, and the thing is, is there are a couple different things that you might be considering when you're doing that. Um, in this movie, I felt like it began with her parents for her safety Mm -hmm. or her grandparents for her safety. Yeah. Uh, what did they say? Something like just in case or be, be careful or something as they give it to her, they said something to her that kind of connoted that they were mm. worried for her safety. Um, but it, it, it morphs, you know, her wearing it and her motivation for wearing it morphs at, you know, at first she's em- embarrassed and the German asks her like, why are you wearing that? And she's like, cause I like it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then the, uh, you know, the Iranian woman is talking to her and she's like, oh, it's, are, are you Persian? Like, why are you wearing it? And she was like, oh, I, I don't know. And then the woman goes off kind of like giggling to herself about this adorable Canadian girl wearing <laughs> you know, a hijab in that way. And because um, it's, well, a chador is a type of hijab, right? Because hijab mm-hmm. just means covering. Um, so that, that was interesting. And, and the thing is, is I think that... Um, for me, when I was going to Morocco and thinking about whether or not I wanted to uh, cover myself in a cultural way, I just wanted to be respectful. Right. Um, and it was amazing to me. Wow. I remember I was in, um, I was in Marrakesh and they had some of these like 
women, I don't know where they were from. They were blonde hair and blue eyed. So they could have been European or American, but, or, or many other things, whatever. Um, (laughs) But some of them were just wearing like nothing. And it's so much more apparent when you're in a country where women have a completely different standard of modesty. I mean, you Mm -hmm. literally look like, like this just big old sign like hey look at me i have a body here it is like and it feels like i'm not even muslim and it felt like disrespectful to me that like someone wouldn't they they don't care that's the thing it's this Mm -hmm. big huge sign that says like i don't care i don't give any f's about what anybody thinks and like that may feel liberating to that person but it's not it's, it's not considerate of anyone around you. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so her, uh, I, well, and I, I won't go into like what, what I did in Morocco or whatever. Cause I think that pretty much yeah. explains some of my feelings, but I think that, um, her changing the, the, the motivation for wearing it throughout the show and, and everything was really cool. And then I loved how, okay, this is what I loved. This is what I loved the very most about how they portrayed that. And that was, her motivation for most of the time was trying to fit in. Mm-hmm. She's trying to fit in. She knows that her old clothes don't fit in. And so she can't dare wear those. She wasn't prepared, but she doesn't have something that actually does fit in. She just has this rendition. She has essentially a stereotype of what she thinks mm-hmm. she should be doing in order to fit in. And by the end of the movie, it's so beautiful when they give her a hijab that's just the headscarf, right. which is what everybody wears and they're like no now you're one of us you know Uh, very well said i think that's very true that you see her going from being is something that almost was a way of sort of hiding a little bit i think too and wearing it and yeah uh, still sort of it's almost like it reminded me of like i don't know when you kind of when like a little kid wants to step out and wants to do something brave but they end up kind of hiding behind their their mom Mm -hmm. the whole time Um, it sort of had that little bit of a feeling. It was like, well, I'm, I'm doing this brave thing, but I'm also kind of hiding behind my grandparents a little bit and, and what they told me to do here. And, and, uh, so I, I thought that I, I saw that sort of journey through her and I didn't really like that. And, and also because the, I don't know all the names like you do, but the, 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 the veil at the end that that was scarf, that was something that, um, was a way of her sort of being, accepted into the the culture of her birth yeah into her her and so it was almost like she kind of went full circle by the end of the the movie and kind of understood who and was able to forgive forgive her father forgive her culture in a way for what she had seen uh it uh, let her down in a way i think at the beginning and so yeah it was really really interesting i thought and so you have these long sections where basically the characters are explaining Persian poetry and history to you. Like what, and we get these different animators working on different parts. Uh, what did you think about that? Did you think it worked into the story or was, do you like that? Yes, I loved it. I thought that a lot of it was vital information. Um, I mean, I've heard of Rumi before uh, and I've read some of his work, but that's it. 
And when they started talking about these other poets, the first thing I did was I was like, oh, I, I got to take some notes. I got to write all these down because I want to sound like I know what I'm talking about. But I was like, you know what? I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know who these other poets are. Mm-hmm. And that's part of my experience with this film. Yeah. And so then I put my notes away and I was like, I'm just going to watch. Well, it's perfect because her whole book is about about Paris from the girl who's never been to Paris. So yeah. in a way, it kind of makes sense Yeah, <laughs> that, that we would have this experience. Yeah. But I thought that the, um, the there were, the, there was this one time where they said, you know, oh, this poet was one of the most important there ever was. And I was like, what did he do? And then they went into this history about him and they illustrate the history the same way that they illustrate the poems. And, or, or you know, they, they yeah. have a separate animator the same way. And I, it, like that information came exactly when I wanted it. Um, so I was, I was actually really happy about that. And some of the um, explanations of, you know, politics and things that happened and everything, I thought that it was so useful um, because this movie, it can be enjoyed by so many people. Like if you speak Mandarin, you will enjoy this movie in a different way. If you speak Farsi, you will enjoy this movie in a different way because there are scenes that you can understand that nobody else can. You can read the text on the screen like other people, you know, like, like I can't. And um, so I, I, I love when creators do that, when they give you an opportunity to have your own unique experience with the movie. They're not going to dumb things down. They're not going to translate everything. You know, like we never find out what Dee Dee's poem actually said. Um, so yeah, but I thought that the, the information that we needed, they gave us. And I, I really appreciated mm-hmm. every bit of it. And it just made me want to study everything. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know enough about Persian poetry. Like I need to, I need to find out about it because Iran is the poetry capital of the world. <laughs> yeah, evidently, right? Who knew? Yeah, it was really interesting. And I, 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 I didn't, I don't know, some people, I could see some people being like, well, that didn't really, uh, uh, you know, that was a tangent. But I don't know, it worked for me. I liked it. I thought that uh, it was her sort of learning about her herself, learning about her culture, learning about her father, all that through and learning about poetry too at the same time. So I thought it it worked and it wasn't too long. They weren't too like indulgent, these sort of mm-hmm. these segments. And so I, I liked it. Uh, and I also didn't know anything about Persian poetry. So it was good. Uh, and so, okay. So what do you think of the German, Chinese, and other cultures shown? The other poets. <laughs> so, you know, I have a little bit of trouble with Europeans. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean, I have so many, like, Europeans that I love and everything. But I related so hardcore to when she talks to this German guy for the first time. And he's just got this. The thing is, is it comes across as him having an attitude, but it's not. It's just a different communication style. Yeah, that's true. And I, I loved that the Iranian woman was like, he likes you. <laughs> like, he probably considers you a friend. And as soon as she realizes that, that this person's just talking to me in a different way, and, and the fact that he's from Paris and some of that attitude is not only German, but Parisian, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, I thought that was just kind of a perfect... Um, a demonstration of what it can be like sometimes when people have, uh, you know, a different 
like way of seeing the world and way of interacting with you, you know, sometimes even like the space that they are from your face when they speak to you can be different and everything. And, um, and that when you try to understand that, when you try to empathize that and navigate it, instead of just rejecting it, then Mm. it can be incredibly rewarding, which it was for her. Yeah. Um, well, so and also like she was, somebody who was raised without a father, you know, I mean, she had grandfather, but, uh, I think this would have been her first exposure to like a really sort of stereotypical masculine energy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And the, the, some of these lines in this movie, I wrote down so many lines that I was, oh, good. <laughs> it was so funny when she was just like, my father left me and he's like, so did mine. And she's like, my mother's dead. And he's like, so is mine. Who cares? What are you, what are you talking about? And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so, it's so European. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, they're like, is, really? And then, then he's like, I'm not crying. It's just angst. I just have angst. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was dying. It was fantastic. And yeah. I thought that like, and the, the thing that I appreciate is in the, in the end, he is a lovable character, yeah. you know? Well, and it seems like the last character who'd be writing poetry, that's sort of funny too, but, uh, <laughs> you know, just people are weird and funny and, and, uh, complicated. <laughs> and I think that this movie does a good job of sort of showing that, that oh. <laughs> I'm just still like, well, and I think that's an interesting thing that you say that he'd be the last person you think would write poetry. I actually think he reminds me a lot of people that I had in my literature classes. Oh, really? I, I always called them literary dicks. They're the guys who sit <laughs> in the back of the classroom. They wear like a newsboy cap. They sit on like the back legs of the chair, hanging back. <laughs> and when the teacher says, do you have any questions? They say, yeah, how do I get published? And the thing is, is like they think they're brilliant. And I remember this one guy was so irritated at our teacher because she told him, you can't write your entire short story in italics mm-hmm. and he's like it's a style thing and she's like no it's not it's not a style thing your story should not be in italics like the, the entire thing <laughs> like it's a font and he was like he's like no like, you don't understand my artistic vision oh like, my gosh so this guy reminded me so much of that and just this kind of attitude and so I kind of love that like he's got this political angsty story that you know he's expecting is going to just blow everyone away because it's not just about how the bourgeoisie love their dogs it's about capitalism and stuff and he shows it and everyone just can't get over the fact that a dog is at the dinner table Mm. and and so he's like i've struck out and and he's like i'm doomed i'm doomed because he he, it's like he can't speak the cultural language not Mm. farsi but the cultural language right 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 so, so, <laughs> so well, good. The, the Chinese man was interesting too because I, you would think that she would know more about that side of her culture, but she really doesn't. And I think it says, shows something about, um, I mean, I can't speak to this obviously, uh, but um, the experience of being a mixed uh, racial, mixed ethnicity, I guess, and uh, how, how, you know, what, I guess what that experience can be like too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, I don't know. It was just interesting because she was just so unaware of so much about her Chinese um, side as well as her, as her Persian side, which is interesting. Oh my goodness. And that's actually the, the Didi, the Chinese man was actually one of the things that I brought up with my friend in like the 20 minutes I had to talk about this movie. And I was just like, there was this, 
you know, part where this guy leaves China and goes to London. And while he's on the airplane, the, you know, massacre at Tiananmen Square happens. And then he gets off the airplane and all these reporters want a statement. And he has to choose in that moment, what am I going to say? And he chooses to condemn the Chinese government and, um, and side with the students. And, and, and how he says, like, I wasn't a political man. And then I was. Yeah. You know, and that's not a direct quote, but. It's close. Just, yeah. Right. And it's just how this, ah, this movie's so good because it does exactly what one of its themes is. One of its themes is, oh gosh, I wrote that one down. Where was it? It said, just listen to it. You don't need an intellectual understanding of it. They do that. They give the opportunity so many times throughout this movie to do that very thing where I don't have my mind completely wrapped around everything they're saying with Dee Dee's story, but I feel it, you know, like I listened to it, I saw it and I feel it. And I think that I could come to some good conclusions if I wrestle with it for a little bit and be like, mm -hmm. like, wow, those, those moments where things do become political, this man who's a poet and says he's not political and then he is, and is poetry political? And uh, there's just so many things to apply Anyway, yeah, he has to just make this choice, and this is very heartbreaking. And uh, it made you kind of realize that uh, just the, the like the the power that that like poetry and literature and other things, uh, the relationships that, that those things bring us, how that can help kind of save us from these devastating moments of our life. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it was a devastating moment for him when he had to make that choice, but that's what he had to do. And uh, so, yeah, it was really good. And I, I always appreciate it in movies when like a movie is, is richer beyond has, has more than just like say one or two dynamic characters. And you, you'll have like just this minor character, but you get a pretty much a full story on this little character. And uh, I, I, I think that that's one of the good things about something like Harry Potter or something like that is that these, just these minor characters, you get a whole story about them and you can get invested in them. And I think that this does a pretty good job of that, of a lot of different characters that you do get to see a little peek at least of their story. And it's not just about Rosie. And she's not a very judgmental character, which I like. She's not somebody who uh, is, she's, she, I mean, she makes mild judgments, but I think she's pretty good uh, about, uh, you know, listening to people and we get to hear sort of, she lets people tell her these histories and these stories and these poems and whatever. And uh, I think that's, that's something that makes her a likable, interesting character. Mm -hmm. And so I really did in, enjoy that Chinese character, particularly the German mm -hmm. character <laughs> was, was sometimes more of a challenge, but, but <laughs> I appreciated him being in the movie and I thought it was uh -huh. a sort of a needed character. Uh, so, and it would, it would have been so easy to make those characters very cliched and very just like, I don't know, just your sort of, your, you know, that like your, that, the Chinese man and, and a German walk into a bar kind of a, kind of a thing, just these, these uh, characters, but, but they didn't. And they were real, real people. Mm -hmm. And so she finds out about her father and this revelation about her grandparents uh, that was very devastating. And uh, I don't know. What did you think about that? So 
I don't hate this, but I had a little bone to pick. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was in reading a lot of these descriptions online and kind of the mission statement for the movie, because they have mm-hmm. the main website where the creators kind of talk about what they wanted to accomplish. I think a lot of the things that they set out to accomplish, they did. Um, and that is, I think that they created a movie that would reduce xenophobia in the world if more people saw it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I absolutely think that the movie is effective at that. Um, I think that it is about love and it is about poetry, but they said it's also about forgiveness. Yeah. And the thing is, is I, I think that there is a, a mark missed here. And that is, it's that she thinks she's trying to forgive her father for leaving her. But really what she does is she finds out why he never actually did anything wrong. And to me, that's, not the best environment to have a forgiveness story. Like her father left her because his mother was dying and he had to go visit her, but then he was incarcerated before he could even see the mother. And then he was kept in jail for two years. And then the grandparents. I don't think um, it's the father that she, well, she kind of has to forgive him, but she has to forgive her grandparents. That's who I, that's what I thought the forgiveness was, was that's where I thought the forgiveness narrative was Yeah, that that they have, uh, that they have kept this from her, that they have, uh, not, uh, you know, not told her about when they knew, uh, about her father and they kept it from her. And, uh, I, I, I thought actually that was really like a human moment when, when kind of she's talking to her, her grandparents and, and I think it's the grandfather who's like, we got now's the time we have to tell her we have, you know, we have to. And, uh, and I, I related to the grandparents for what they were trying to do and that they had these good intentions. Mm-hmm. They were trying to protect her. Uh, but also, you know, you felt for her as well. And just finding out, uh, this, you know, just this devastating news. It kind of reminded me of, uh, I have, I have a friend who I call it. She's the most interesting woman in the world. Yeah. You know, there's, I don't know if you've seen those ads where I am the most interesting mm-hmm. man in the world. And I, because she's had this, this crazy, crazy life. Uh, and when she was 19, she found out that her parents, she's from Japan. Uh, her parents weren't, weren't her actual, uh, parents, but that her uncle had been married at a time and they'd had her. And then when his wife, when her mother died, they had uh, given uh, her up to the brother and sister-in-law mm-hmm. or whatever. And so she finds out it, and like, it's the craziest thing because she said that she was, she was marrying a, a man from Venezuela and here she's Jap- Japanese. And she asked her, her parents, like, do you have a problem with me marrying somebody from the, they're like, no, because you're not actually our daughter. <laughs> and she was like, what? And uh, I don't know. So it kind of reminded me of that, that like, that you just have this this life that you think that you had all these years yeah you know, like the thing the understanding that you had and all that bitterness and all that anger uh and and I think for a moment that transferred to the grandparents but then she had to learn to just she had to learn to forgive everybody and uh and no they were you know trying their best to do what they thought was right and uh I don't know I I actually that's interesting because I, I really thought that that was moving and, and really worked. Uh, but well, I think that you're actually right. I, I think 
you're right in the sense that, you know, we begin thinking it's a story for forgiving her father. Yeah. And so I shouldn't stop there. I think I am missing the point in stopping there because you're right. It does transfer onto the grandparents. Um, help me think about this because <laughs> like what makes her forgive her grandparents? How do we, how do we see that? Hmm. Um, well, uh, she has the conversation with her and with them and, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, and then she, I don't know, I guess she's got, she's going back home at the end. Right. I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> so I remember it ending with her finishing her poem and, mm. I mean, I, I think we assume that she'll go back home because um, mm. she only has permission to be there for a week. But um, maybe that was um, maybe I uh, maybe I transferred some of my own thoughts or something on it. I can't remember it. I I uh, you've seen it. I saw it now last week, so I need to <laughs> maybe watch it again. I watch that ending again. But I don't know. I I did get a sense of that she had forgiven them, but but uh, well, um, she definitely has a sense of peace, peace at the yeah. end. And I think that you you would assume from that piece that she's she's going to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, now that I'm kind of mulling this over, because this is uh, it is a movie that you just kind of get to mull over and be like, yeah. "What is going on here?" Um, uh, yeah, I, you're right, though. I mean, it does sort of vindicate the father, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know. I mean, I guess it is. So it was so important that he go visit his mother that he would leave his his ailing wife and and uh, and uh, daughter uh, under this high risk situation. I mean, do we give him a full pass for that? Because of, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I think the movie definitely gave him a full pass. I mean, they mm-hmm. were like, this man was beloved. He was a hero. He was a poet. <laughs> he was a fighter, but he was a lover. You know, I mean, yeah. it definitely, I mean, he was flawless in the end, you know, like the only reason he left was to go see his dying mother and he didn't even get to. And <laughs> I thought that they made him like, yeah, that's fair. You know, that's it's fair. almost overboard sympathetic, but I'm not going to criticize that. Um, but I think, I think the, the, the crux of her relationship with her grandparents um, lies in some of the conversations she has earlier in the movie. Um, I can't remember the name of the character who's kind of the mentor character. Yeah. The yeah. The ambassador. Yeah. Uh, she, she, she was good. I liked her. She's so good. She had so many good lines, but one of her lines was what isn't complicated. At least I think that was her. Um, the one oh the yeah. Said, what isn't complicated. And maybe that, maybe it's, um, Rosie's recognition of the fact that everything is more complicated than you think it is. This German guy is more complicated than you mm. think he is. This Chinese guy is more complicated than you think he is. The word ma is more complicated than you think it is. Yeah. Um, and therefore, this thing that you have, this anger that you've now transferred onto your grandparents, mm. it will also be just as complicated as everything else. And that's why you can accept it. Um, I think that's true. That's really good. That's really good. Okay. So what do you, what do you think that the movie has to say about all of these many, many, many cultures and race races that it shows? Uh, Do you, and I don't know, what do you think that does race sort of 
race and ethnicity, how does it matter in this story in your eyes? Hmm. Well, I think it was in the Variety Review. I'm getting all my like articles mixed up. <laughs> but it was in one of the reviews or something where somebody said, what are the purposes of this movie is to show that we're more alike than we are different. Yeah. Um, but at the same time to simultaneously show that your culture and your race and your family and your identity still matter. Um, and that while we are alike, we are also simultaneously unique. Um, mm -hmm. Which I, I think, think is what makes her different because, because she is uh, mixed and, and Canadian and, you know, she has these dreams of Paris. And so she is kind of this, this mixture of all these different sort of ideals and, and, uh, and perspectives and all those different things. And uh, it's kind of about looking at uh, individuals as like real sort of fleshed out people. Mm -hmm. And like you're saying with it, that people are complicated. And mm -hmm. I think that race and ethnicity and everything else, uh, our history, our cultural history, all, uh, all come into play with making that all those complications, making us who we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think another thing too that was really powerful about culture was the fact that a lot of times we hear about these war-torn countries and that's all we hear. And so it becomes our definition of that country. It becomes the way that we imagine it. And I think that even just the statements about Iran and how like even my experience just watching the movie, it was so funny when she was like, oh, I'm going to go to Iran. I'm like, I have literally no idea what to expect. I have none because I don't know what regular everyday life in Iran looks like. Right. I don't know. And like, I, I'm one of those people who likes to educate herself about different parts of the world and everything. But the thing is, is it even if I Googled it and I knew, even if I looked up in Google, you know, like <laughs> pictures of Iran, I'm going to see something that's totally filtered, you know, through um, your perspective. Well, and not only my perspective, but who chose to share these pictures and what pictures are popular enough to pop up in this Google search, you know? Right. Right. Um, and chances are, it's not going to show a <clears throat> where you can just walk up and knock on somebody's door and all the aunties are going to come out and give you a big hug and welcome you into the home. Like, I think that what we forget when we're shown these portrayals by other people that are selected by other people for a purpose, usually a political purpose, is that no matter where it is, it's someone's home. Mm. And any movie and any story that can depict any of these places as a home that matters to someone, you know, where even if it's war-torn, there are people who are motivated to go back to it, mm -hmm. you know? Um, that, 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 that movie, that story is doing, a um, something very good, frankly, mm -hmm. I think for mankind. And I think that's where I get this impression that this is a movie that would help xenophobia, um, because it, it shatters a lot of those perceptions about what Iran would look like now, you know, like, it, this is a place where people value poetry and they value family and they value their homes and their, you know, they, and they, they love their identity. They love their culture. And 
the heartbreaking part is the fact that they may not have the freedom or resources to share it to the extent that they want to, you know, mm-hmm. because there's so much to offer anyway. So, yeah, I really yeah. liked uh, this, this last thing I had, but this, uh, this was a quote from an article or whatever review I read that I, but I thought it summarized the movie so well to me. So it says, while window horses obviously comes from a deeply personal place, the richly rewarding poetic Persian epiphany that results in Rosie's emergence from under the chador as a fully realized individual touches on a universally shared pursuit of identity and belonging. And I think that is so true. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Because, I mean, I, I remember when I was you know, her around her age and, and com- coming out to, to school. And, and, uh, and that was like the most exciting time of my life and figuring out, and I didn't have any like big trauma, like she did or anything like that, or big things like that. But still just that, like trying to figure out who you are, where you belong, where your spot is in the world. And I, I think that that is a, uh, you know, just, it is a universally shared pursuit <laughs> that we all have. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't know, I just really related to her character. And I thought that it was, it made me cry. I mean, this movie made me cry at several spots. I, I mean, I'm an easy cry, so that's not a big deal. But still, I, I just, I liked that all of the individuals were about more than just uh, the details of their life. It was about like their poetry and their soul and yeah. who they are. And here she's trying to, to become, kind of become that and to figure out what that is. And, and so I don't know, I really enjoyed it. And I, I just felt like the director was really sort of speaking through this. And that's always a special experience when you get to see art like that and yeah. through the cinema. Absolutely. So. so I have a couple of quotes I wrote down that I just kind of want to discuss. Do you want to? Yeah, please. <laughs> um, so and this one is where I, I kind of want to tread carefully um, with some of the stuff that's going on right now. But one of the quotes was, it is his poetry that is important, not the details of his life. Yeah. I actually wrote that down as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What, what do you think of that? Um, I, I think that's all going back to like the heart of who he is versus like, uh, I don't know, like what was on the outside or the, the maybe some of the choices, like we might make choices and those are important and we should in a way be judged for those choices held accountable. But like, we also should be held accountable for our heart and where I thought that's what it was trying to say is, is a, but look at the heart of the grandparents, what they were trying to do. Look at the heart of her father and what he was trying to do. Look at, you know, her heart, the heart of the different poets. That, that was what it, I, was, I thought it was trying to say. That interpretation makes so much sense. And it, re- it really helps reinforce some of the messages of the movie. Yeah, I think yeah. That, that's really valid. Um, and I, it's, so, it's so interesting to me because, like, I think that um, – now, there are definitely lines to be drawn. Like right now we have the Harvey Weinstein thing going on. I think that like absolutely lines should be drawn, um, especially if this person is in a position where they could continue hurt harmful yeah. behavior um, sure. to other people. I think there's a difference between someone being mm, 
immoral by certain standards and someone just straight up hurting other people. Right. Sure. sure. Um, but I thought it was so interesting, you know, cause the poet they're talking about is th- this guy who like had this open reputation as using this woman he was not married to as his muse and his wife and kid were like, not the muse, <laughs> you know? Um, and I, I just thought that was really, that, that was really interesting and how Rosie's like, well, how does his wife feel about that? And, and, and then this, you know, mentor would say, we don't know. It, it's his poetry that matters. I, I don't know. I mean, I, because. I mean, I kind of think that is true though, because like, I, I think that, that in my opinion, I think that God can work miracles through, through the most wounded and most, uh, I don't know. He's, he's amazing that way. And, uh, like, uh, the, I don't know, like, like I love the book, uh, the, um, uh, gift of the sea by Anne Mara Lindbergh. I love it. And, uh, it speaks to a lot of, it just speaks to me and I, it's beautiful. And this poetry is so gorgeous and the way that she thinks about life. And, but like, a lot of people kind of discount it because she was unfaithful in her marriage and so was her husband. And like, it paints this very like beautiful picture of their life. But like, I still think that there's like good stuff in there. And like, I'm not willing to throw out the whole book just because, because it really spoke to me when I read it just because the author wasn't, it wasn't quite, I don't know. Like I understand people that, that, the can't that are troubled by that. But like, for me, I, I do kind of feel like the poet, the book is so special. And I don't know, I, I feel like I can kind of separate it that like, that God can, can bring beautiful things out of very flawed people, I guess yeah. is, is kind of how I feel. And so I think that's kind of maybe a little bit was trying to say. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I agree. It's interesting too, because, um, there's so, and let's, let's not spend too much time on this. Cause we could probably talk about it for another <laughs> hour. Just like the ethics of problematic creators versus sure, sure. beautiful creations, you know? Um, so you know what, I'm even going to save the thought I had for another okay. day. Um, Good. We won't go down there too long, but it, it, it is a really interesting thing. And I think that people are, you know, right, right to draw certain lines, but I think that you're also right. Um, something that I believe in is feedback. And that is if, if someone creates something and it's good, they deserve the feedback of people saying this thing you have created is good. If they do something that is bad, they deserve the feedback of people saying this thing is bad. And it's through feedback from others Mm -hmm. that we can learn to navigate our world. And I think that creators deserve that same feedback. So whether it's good or bad, they, they have to have it, you know, um, so I, I don't know, yeah, but which I, makes it kind of interesting when you think of like the festival and then getting that feedback uh, at the poetry festival in the, um, in the movie. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it's an interesting situation. I mean, rarely are things just like bad and good. Like usually it's somewhere in between, mm-hmm. but, uh, but yeah, I can, I can see what you mean. Yeah, Did you well, have any other quotes you wanted to, to talk about? Uh, yeah. Well, and even just that, cause you made me think too, that it applies in so many ways because 
even this woman says it's poetry that's important, not the details of his life. And yet all of these people are helping Rosie with the details of her life. And it's by helping her with the details of her life that her poetry changes and that their appreciation of her poetry changes. Like it, it's so interesting. It's a good point. It's a good point. It's all connected. So that, that <laughs> statement might, might not even be entirely true. Um, okay. So uh, and this was in the trailer. The more you learn about others, the more you deepen your understanding of yourself. This is the journey we are all on. <laughs> I'm an easy crier too. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. um, but that like reminded me of the Joseph Campbell quote that I think I shared with you in the past in another video where he said, you know, we are all on the hero's journey. And the more that we experience the hero's journey through other people's eyes, the easier it is for us to find the thread to follow to the center of our own existence mm. and to discover the hero within ourself. Um, anyway, any thoughts yeah. on that one? Yeah. I mean, and I think that uh, that's part of this, maybe sort of the symbolism of why she wears the chador is she's like seeing this, this like culture and the side of her and everything through these just totally different eyes than what she's used to being. And I, I think that visually just sends such a clear, like she goes from being a stick figure to being, uh, you know, clothed and head to toe. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's very, uh, it's, it's just such a different perspective. Yeah, so. absolutely. Okay. So this is what I thought. I have two more quotes. Okay. Just, they, they have to be mentioned because they're so good. Um, one was, we were all in the war some of us had to fight in it. And that was a quote from her father's friend who was also a pilot. Mm. Um, I thought, oh, that, like, that quote deserves to be famous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I that's just, a good one. Uh, so good. Anyway, and then another quote was um, when the guy says, oh, what does he say? It was like, oh, this man was the most famous translator of Rumi and he didn't even know Farsi. And Rosie says, is that true? And he says, I don't know, but the information is helpful, no? <laughs> and I, I, I had to stop and just immediately write that one down because um, I've actually used that same logic at times. Like when I was on my mission, there was this, um, saying, maybe you heard it, that most people have to have seven exposures mm. to the gospel before they will accept it or seven exposures to missionaries before they let them in their house or whatever. And the thing is, is I don't know if that's true. I don't care if it's true because it was motivating for me because mm. I could look at it and say, oh, maybe I was number four right, or number five. And so I'm still doing something worth doing. I'm still giving to this cause I believe so deeply in. I'm just not the one who's going to be, you know, reaping the immediate benefits or having the experience with this person. But that doesn't mean this person will never have an experience, you know? So I thought that that was really cool that they have this line where they're like, I don't know if it's true, but it's useful. Like, (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. I noticed that. I think that it kind of goes to the hopeful I think, I think it kind of goes to the hopeful feeling of this film. I think that really makes it something special. A lot of people love this movie called A Ghost Story this year, and it's a good movie. I enjoyed it, but it's definitely not for everybody, and it's very, 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 very abstract. And, uh, it, and But to me, 
this film I prefer more because as an art piece or whatever is because I feel like this is, is much more hopeful uh, mm-hmm. about, uh, I feel very good about Rosie. I feel like she's going to be okay. I feel like her family's going to be okay. I feel like she's going to live a good life. And I, I feel hopeful about all of these characters and, and it does not make it sound trite. It's not, but I, I think that, that's that's a beautiful thing and it's a beautiful thing coming from from iran you know a a culture that we can see as being sometimes scary or hostile uh or whatever and uh to have this sort of hopeful story about family and love and forgiveness and change and and growing up and all of those things and poetry and whatever and uh so i don't know i i feel like i feel like that's kind of there in that like Anything that we have, we can use to be helpful and be good. And we're going to be helpful and, and happy and whatever. Yeah. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, and I should say too, I have so many comments. Um, the Moon Poem by Taylor Molly. Mm-hmm. So I read that Taylor Molly is a real person. So he's in the movie as a U.S. poet, but he's also an actual U.S. poet. Mm-hmm. Um, and the poem he did about, um, Mount Everest and how they, it was exactly 29,000 feet and they had to oh, add yeah. feet to make it more realistic. That poem made me cry <laughs> just because it hit so close to what I experience as a writer. Um, because in my story, I have, um, a culture that's been influenced by both France, France and, um, Arab culture and Islamic Iberia. And I have had so many people, specifically judges in contests, write me and in, in, in their feedback and say, I'm marking you down because you can't do this. Like Arab people don't speak French. Like you can't do that. And mm-hmm. I have like every time, like my head literally just explodes because I'm like, no, like these these, these cultures have been integrated in so many countries. Like I can't even, the history, but the thing is, is like someone is coming with their authority to tell me that I haven't done my research when it's because of my research that I'm right, writing, right, this, right. you know? And I'm like, no, like fact is stranger than fiction. People don't fit in these little boxes. The world is not the way that you expect it to be. Like, you can't tell me there's never been a blonde sultan ever and that the idea of a blonde sultan is insulting because there have been Ottoman kings with redhead sultanas and even an Ottoman king named Salim the Blonde. Like... <laughs> Because he was blonde, and like, <laughs> like Redbeard, the famous pirate, was an Ottoman pirate. Like, ah. <laughs> anyway, and so this poem where this guy is like, "Here I am, trying to find these extra two feet so that people can believe the truth." Like, you have to dress up the truth in a stereotype so that people will believe it. And that is so frustrating as an artist. Mm. Um, and there was, uh, I, I don't know who it was. I should be able to credit her. So maybe um, we could put it in like the explanation. The notes, yeah. um, but there was just this uh, author on Twitter just the other day who was saying that like she has Chinese heritage and she wrote these characters who had a mindset and a viewpoint that was very authentically Chinese. And she felt really confident in that. But 
when she sent it to American editors and agents, they told her that it wasn't authentic. And so then she added all of these surface level details that are technically true, but they're more stereotypically recognizable as Chinese. You know, she's like, oh, put in like dumplings and, you know, more references that they were going to get. And then all of them were crazy about it. They were like, oh, this is so authentic. And it's like, no, it was authentic in the way that you, knowing nothing about this culture, would recognize. Just like adding two feet to the height of Mount Everest so you would believe what was already true. Like, mm. oh man, it spoke to me, that poem. I was like, that, I want a copy of it. I'm going to put it on my wall. Like, oh, yeah. anyway. Yeah, that was really good. That was really good. Yeah, I liked all of the poems. Uh, I thought they were all beautiful. And I'm, I'm maybe because I'm just an animation girl, that's, that was what I was sort of focusing on more than anything else, just how pretty they were. But uh, I, you know, I enjoyed, I enjoyed all of them. And that's really good insight. So yeah, I, I, I think it's a really solid, really lovely little movie. And I think they should be very proud of all that they accomplished. Uh, it's not an easy thing to make a movie like this. Yeah. <laughs> and to, I mean, Anne-Marie Fleming should be very proud of what she's accomplished. This is really great. And uh, I, I hope that people will seek it out and uh, that maybe it will be on Netflix or some other way that it will get a little bit more exposure, kind of like, what um uh what the um like song of the sea and some of the other films that have been available to stream that i think have gotten more exposure than they would have otherwise uh, i mean i would love to see this get nominated by the academy for animated uh feature film unfortunately this year they changed the rules because previously we always we got a lot of really good indie films nominated for best animated film uh, because it was decided by a committee of animation experts, the nominations, uh, but they've changed the rules. And now the, the Academy at large gets to pick the nominations, which is a bummer. It's, uh, be it's less likely something like this will get nominated, but it would be cool if, uh, if it did, but I really enjoyed it. And, uh, and I, I think I gave it like a, uh, I think I give it like an A minus in my review. Uh, it's in my top 10 of the year. So Yeah. Uh, what, what, I guess, what grade or what, you know, what would you say as far as your final thoughts on the film? I'd give this 10 out of 10. Yeah. I think that what it, you know, I always judge a movie by whether or not it accomplishes what it set out to do. Mm -hmm. And I like this movie was so refreshing. Yeah, it's, it really was refreshing. What it set out to do. Like I, I feel pumped, like as an artist, as a citizen of the world, I'm like, <laughs> I'm pumped. So this I'm so was glad. I really was hoping that you would have that response. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This was this awesome. is absolute treasure. Yay. Okay, great. Well, uh, we'll put uh, information uh, for the, the the website for this movie, uh, some other stuff. If you want to see if it uh, it is playing around you or want to look up information, you can you can check it out there. And uh, make sure you're subscribed to Rachel's reviews on iTunes. And uh, you can find me at Smiling LDS Girl on social media. And, uh, and I've now gotten the Hallmarkies podcast. Uh, we have a whole separate channel for that. So if you wouldn't mind subscribing to that as well, we'd really appreciate it. And uh, so uh, where can people find you, Christine? Uh, lately, almost nowhere. I have been, <laughs> I've actually, it's a good thing that I haven't been on the internet as much because I'm working on my book more than I ever have. But Yay. 
you still find me. I'm on Instagram. Um, my book account is C Tyler books. My family account is C Tyler Insta. And, um, I'm also on Twitter at M R S C T Y L E R Mrs. C Tyler. And you can follow us at uh, chicks on flick, uh, on Twitter also. So I'll put the links down in the description. Uh, and uh, you can check that out and we would be really grateful. Also, uh, for anybody that's listening uh, in the States uh, today, you can see a uh, silent voice on the big screen all over the country. It's just a uh, limited release. So uh, we, we, did, we did a podcast on that film uh, a couple of months ago. And so definitely take the opportunity to see a silent voice because it's really special. And, and it's neat to see uh, two different animated films uh, that were directed by women. Uh, that are so strong. So, all right. Well, thanks so much for joining me and uh, we will uh, hopefully be together again soon. Talking, talking flicks. All right. Bye. <laughs>